I'm excited to have this discussion because even from the time when we laid out this whole series mm-hmm. to get to spend a week mm-hmm. really looking at the grief of Jesus, I think it's just a sweet, sweet thing. Today on the podcast, we're going to have an honest conversation about grief and emotions. And what does that really have to do with spiritual health and our discipleship? Yeah, we've been talking about this series for for a while. The the congregation, those who attend Autumn Ridge, they don't get to, they don't know. But I mean, we went away uh, for a week in, in in the summer. A number of us on staff and uh, did some planning and really focused in on this message series and some of the things we wanted to draw out and talk about. And absolutely, one of the things we said that we have to pay attention to is Jesus's grief because there's so much for us to to learn there because grief is an inescapable part of our our, our lives. Uh, I can't remember. I I can't remember who I was talking about. I don't think I said this in a message. Maybe I did, but the thing that that unifies us all uh, is grief. We're not mm. all unified by prosperity. We're not all unified um, by some of the benefits of privilege. And I'm not making a political or sociological statement there, but I mean, we're not all. That's not the thing that unites us. One of the things that unites us is that we all know what it's like to feel grief. And when we look at Jesus, I, I think that, that we find tremendous hope. He is the source of good news. And so talking about a bad news kind of subject does not mean that there is no good news. There's tremendous good news for us. And I hope that the message that we had uh, this weekend was a source of encouragement for folks mm-hmm. to not just uh, to not try to to not be afraid of it. To not just sit down and wallow in it, but to not be afraid to walk through it mm-hmm. and to trust Jesus as you do, because I am convinced that we see his truth, goodness, and beauty uh, when we trust his leadership to take yeah. us through those, these unwanted seasons in life. Well, denying grief doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That's right. And so there is something tremendously freeing about being given the the encouragement to feel what you feel mm-hmm. and to, to let the feelings uh, be there. And I think as people do allow themselves to grieve things in a healthy way, it, it diminishes the stranglehold that some of the negativity can have. So I want to ask you a question. I did not let you know. I'm just going to let the audience know. I did right. not let you know this question was coming. <laughs> why does it feel sometimes, or do you think I'm projecting, why does it feel sometimes in in the church world, and mm. I'm not talking about any church in particular, I'm being general here, mm-hmm. but why does it sometimes feel in church culture that it's not safe to just feel what you feel? Yeah, absolutely. I why mean, it, I, I, I've lived that even, okay. I, you know, with well-meaning, churchy-type mm-hmm. people saying, you don't need to grieve as those who don't have hope. You know, mm. we have these wonderful verses that do promise us hope. Oh, you just got excited. Your faces That's <laughs> lit right. up. What it do you want to say? It doesn't say don't grieve. We don't grieve in the same way as those who don't have hope. Yes. We grieve with hope. Yes. We don't grieve without hope. Yes. And if you misunderstand that, you're setting yourself up for grief upon grief. You're you're setting your to, you're making it exponentially worse. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, but I th- and I think that's what's behind a lot of well-meaning people's mm-hmm. intent to say, well, you don't need to grieve, you have hope, and they're missing that point that it's not a lack of grieving that that verse is pointing to, mm. but that the hope gives us something to be looking towards and that we have the, the assurance that life is not meaningless, that's right. that grief is not the end. But that there is still beauty that can can arise even in the present day, as well as what we have to look forward to right. in, 
the so future. This is somewhat of this is going to be an intersection of a theological and a, and a practical question. If you do not allow yourself to feel the unwanted feelings, if you don't allow yourself to feel the grief, can you actually truly experience the joy that is promised to us in the middle of grief? Hmm. See, I don't so think you me, can. Uh, let me respond with with something that might sound like I'm going 90 degrees different, okay. but. Steve and I went on a hiking trip once to Acadia National Park. Okay. I think might have been one of the most beautiful places I have ever seen. We were sitting on the top of a uh, what, kind of the equivalent of a mountainside overlooking the ocean. It was mm-hmm. fall colors. <clears throat> it was just spectacular. And we were sitting there and and contemplating the beauty of this place and thought, would we recognize how beautiful this place is if we hadn't driven through the plains to mm-hmm. get here or if you hadn't gone through the broken down places of the cities or you know all of the the less beautiful places the ugly places mm. there's something about a contrast mm. from being through darkness through the 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 ugly the the barren mm. all of that that makes the beauty that much more exquisite when you're there and I think there's an element of grief and joy and hope that's like that. I think allowing yourself to go through the valley of the darkness, of the sadness, of the weight of all of that makes the beauty and the exquisiteness of joy and hope and peace that much sweeter. Makes Jesus in the gospel far more striking mm-hmm. and really stokes and draws us in to the attractive nature of it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that's I think that's beautiful. Um, I don't think what you're saying is you have to have the ugly in order to have beauty, but in the state in which we are, <laughs> um, we are better positioned to really see and appreciate the beauty and have gratitude mm-hmm. for it and to long for it and want it even more when we understand the ugliness that we're in. Mm-hmm. And we are better we're better positioned to experience joy when we're honest with ourselves about the grief that we're in or the grief that's in us. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I so wonder good. if yeah. even if that's a part of what our experience, once we do live in eternity mm-hmm. with God and his presence, if that's what a part of this experience and the brokenness of this current age, if that's what it's about, that mm. we will forever appreciate the the beauty of living in, in a perfect world with God mm-hmm. because we've been in one that wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that in heaven. <laughs> what will the name? What that. will the name of our podcast be? And Church is the, finally cleaned up. There's no me- nothing messy is anymore. messy. That'll be the name of the of the podcast in heaven. All right. So it sounds like uh, let me let me go out on a limb here. Maybe you don't think I'm a heretic when I say your spiritual maturity is not going to outpace your emotional maturity <laughs> because if we're going to sit down in our grief and face it, so that we can also see and behold the beauty of Jesus and the joy of the gospel and all that it brings and truly savor it, um, that we can't live one-dimensional lives. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So are we are we on the same page, or should we, should we talk about this a little bit more? Let's talk about it. We're on the same page, but I will admit, when I first heard the phrase you used about that our emotional or our spiritual maturity will never outpace our emotional maturity, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure I agreed with you at first. Sure. And, yeah. and I've had to process that a few times. So yeah, I'd enjoy... Enjoy chatting about that. I think I'm coming around to seeing it the way you're seeing it. But. And I think it's, it, I, if it's new for folks, I think kind of the instantaneous reaction is that doesn't sound right. But 
I think that the further we go into it and the more we talk about it, the people are like, oh, yes, that's exactly what it is. And hopefully for our audience, they'll be able to they'll find themselves at that point today, especially if they have questions. So start. Let, let's talk about it a little bit. Talk about a, will, you, will you share with me a little bit? What are some of the things that cause you to go? Hold on for a second. I need to I need to process that. How mm-hmm. does that accommodate this. Yeah, I think actually this message helped me to see I, I may have had a little bit more of a division in my own mind about the work of God in my spiritual life mm-hmm. and the work of myself in my own emotional life. Hmm. And and I, I think that I have viewed that maybe without even giving it any intentional thought until now, <clears throat> that that I was in charge of my emotions and God's in charge of my spirituality. Okay. And and I hadn't really considered the interplay between those two things, um, even to the point where I, I think that a lot of the emotional health that I have may be inspired because of what God's done in me spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I was thinking that my spiritual health has come first, and it's my spiritual health that has driven my desire to be more healthy in the way that I process my emotions and that I use them in the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, first. So so I was thinking of it uh, the other way around, that my spiritual health drives my emotional health. Well, let me use this. Hopefully this this analogy is helpful. You think about the, the, the engine of a train that's pulling all the cars along. Right, that is that is driving it. That's what's that's what's pulling everything. But it's not outpacing all the cars that are coming behind. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so our allegiance to Jesus, our trust in Him, and our willingness uh, to to grow in that relationship, like the engine of a train, should be pulling all the aspects of our lives along. But they've got to travel together because there's no way to bifurcate or divide our life into well, this is my spiritual self and this is the the rest of ourselves. It's when we're talking about spiritual maturity, we're talking about growing in allegiance to Jesus in all aspect of our mm-hmm. of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so, I one of the one of the questions that I asked you when we were first talking about this, I said, "Okay, can you think of anyone who you would say this person is spiritually mature, mm-hmm. but they're emotionally immature?" Mm-hmm. And you couldn't think of anyone. No, and I still can't. And mm-hmm. I can't. I can't think of anyone either because people who are people who are spiritually mature are saying, "Jesus, I trust you with all of who I am, mm-hmm. and I'm growing." to follow your lead. The way that you think about things, that's how I want to think about things. The things that you say are true. I'm trusting those things Mm -hmm. that are true. When you make a promise, I am banking on that promise. When you give a command, I am following that command. And we don't do that with just an aspect of our lives. We do that with all of who we are. Mm -hmm. And so there's no way, like imagine trying to be married to someone and saying, oh no, we've got a thriving marriage, but emotionally we're very disconnected. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That makes no sense. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. Well, think about your Jesus is the Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. We can't withhold this massive aspect of who we are from his leadership and expect that our discipleship is thriving. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about maturity, it probably would be helpful if I define that a little bit. There are lots of times that we use words all the time and everybody's like nodding their head and we're like, I don't really know what you mean. Yeah, good point. I'm really talking about responsibility. A lot of times when I'm talking, I'm not only talking about responsibility, but I'm never talking about maturity without including responsibility. And we are not solely responsible, and we are not fully responsible for everything, but we are fully responsible for our part. Hmm. And so we're supposed to work out our own salvation because it's God who's at work in us. Mm-hmm. So which is it? Yeah. Is it, is it God or is it me? And the answer is yes, that uh, God will not, we can't grow on our own, and God won't grow us on his own. 
It is, it's, it's a synergy. It's, it's both. And we are utterly dependent on him. He is not dependent on us. We are utterly dependent on him, but in his, in his, in his wisdom and his, in his grace and his goodness, he is including us in, in this, you know, we've, we've joked about this term before. We're not moist robots. We're not, uh-huh. we're not, de- we're <laughs> not God's, that. we're not God's puppets. This is a, this is a real meaningful two-sided relationship and he is growing us but he's not going to grow us on his own we cannot grow on our own we have to be responsible for our part and part of what we're responsible for is is our own emotional health and our own emotional maturity now again mm-hmm. we're not totally alone in that but we have real responsibility and so imagine can i use an analogy please okay what does it mean for someone just Imagine you're talking to your kids. You get you get kids who are out of the house. They're all out of the house now. Yeah. They're either in college or beyond. Yep. I imagine you want them to be financially mature. Yes. Okay. What does that include? Just just talk to us real quick as as a mom who's helping helping these these brand new adults thrive. Yeah, they need to have awareness of what their expenses are. They need to have a realistic picture of what their income potential is. They need to understand where they're headed. With their their future financial goals, they're paying their bills on time. All of these things. Beautiful. All right. So now think about emotional maturity, and let's think about it in the same way that you just described financial maturity. You got to understand what's going on inside of you. You got to understand what is it that you feel. Understanding why you feel the way that you feel, and understanding what is an appropriate response to 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 what you feel. People who don't take time to honestly evaluate what they're feeling, they end up acting out of those feelings, even though they don't understand mm. and they haven't taken time to process it. That means that they are ignorant instead of intentional. And I'm not calling anybody stupid, but I'm just saying, if I don't understand what I'm feeling, which happens a lot, <laughs> then I'm lacking a knowledge. That means I'm I'm, I'm ignorant. It doesn't mean that I'm dumb. It's just I don't yet know. I don't yet. I don't yet understand. And if I'm acting out of something that I don't understand, there's no way that I can be intentional. Mm. I'm not being on purpose. It's like driving a car with no windshield. You will have collisions, and we see that in people. I've seen that, and I've seen that in my own life. The steps of emotional maturity are necessary if we're going to be honest with ourselves. If we're going to be honest in prayer, and we're going to be honest with each other. We cannot be more honest with somebody else. We can't be more honest with God than we are in ourselves, mm. than we are with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if that sounds like pop psychology or mumbo jumbo, I just want you to think about that for a second. If you refuse to be honest with yourself, how can you be honest about those things when you're praying? If you're in a small group, and I hope you're in a small group, how are you going to open up and be honest with other people so they can support you and love you and care for you and pray for you and be there with you in it if you won't even be honest? Mm-hmm. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. No, it's so true. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you're the pastor who oversees small groups. Mm-hmm. So, again, I didn't prep you for this, but I know that you're able just to pivot on a dime and talk about these things. What do you want for people who are in small groups? Yeah. Yeah, we want small groups to play, be a place that is safe for them to be honest about the struggles in their life, about what they're looking for, and how they want to grow into people who look more like Jesus. Yeah, we want our small group leaders to be people who are encouraging that mm. in others, and yeah. and to ask those questions of what would it look like to follow Jesus in this area of your life, and mm. and how can I pray for you? How can I support you? How can I encourage you to to give all of these things in your life over to Jesus? 
People who do not take responsibility for their own emotional maturity are not going to be able to access that. They're not going to be able, they're not going to be able to, to enjoy those things. It's another reason that they're going to be stuck in their, in their spiritual growth because we don't do it on our own. Not only is it God at work in us and us taking responsibility, but it also happens inside of community. Christians do not grow isolated from community. Mm -hmm. And just because you are around people doesn't mean you're in community. We can isolate ourselves from others by not uh, by not by not being honest. And we've seen that before, right? I've mm -hmm. seen that in groups that I've been a part of. I've even seen it in my own life. Emotional maturity. This is what enables us to be intentional, to be intentionally patient, intentionally kind, intentionally courageous, uh, to intentionally control our anger, to intentionally be empathetic. And it's what allows us to intentionally step into another person's pain without losing ourselves mm. in their pain or being overwhelmed by it. In short, our ability to really fulfill the command of Jesus to love and our ability to obey all the commands we read in the New Testament about bearing one another's burdens or to avoid grumbling, gossip, fighting, they all hinge on us being emotionally mature. It what we're not talking about is some sort of well, we're not <laughs> what we're not doing is we're saying, "Hey, here's some here's some totally non-Christian ideas that we're trying to infuse into the Bible." What we're seeing is how the gospel makes sense of all of life and all of who we mm -hmm. are. And if we ignore that, we are shutting ourselves off to, to aspects of the good news that we desperately need. And again, if we are not intentional, um, if we don't take this seriously, if we don't take responsibility, I'm afraid that we're going to be people who um, only do, who, who only live in alignment with the gospel when we feel like it or when we feel up to it. And if you go with what you feel, you won't always be wrong, but you will never be wise. Hmm. And being wise is a huge aspect of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We're not just defined by, by rules. We're defined by wisdom. Um, that's why we're supposed to make most of the time that we have, make the most of these evil days, living with wisdom. And uh, I, my heart breaks for people who something along the way in their church journey or their spiritual journey has convince them that they need to be on guard against the kinds of things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And the people who have I have experienced who are on guard against the kinds of things that we talked about are the meanest Christians I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I've because they, they don't understand what's going on inside of them when they feel grief, when they feel afraid, when they're when they're when they're feeling those things. Because for whatever reason somebody has convinced them, don't trust Jesus with this aspect of your life shut it down, mm. pretend like it's not there. And that is not good for us. And that's not what Jesus wants for us. And when we look at Jesus in the garden, we see Jesus is just honest. Yeah. He's super honest with his grief, with his anguish and his pain. And let's follow his lead in that. Absolutely. Can we go back to that passage, yeah, let's do the it. Luke 22 passage? Because mm -hmm. there's so much richness there in what mm -hmm. we observe about Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, one of the comments that you made uh, looking at his disposition surrounding his prayer uh, was one of, I, I thought, one of the most powerful things that you said and one of the things I needed to really process a little bit more, and I thought it'd be fun to talk about. You, you pointed out that his agony didn't decrease his prayer, and his prayer didn't decrease his agony. Yeah. And that, that shocked me at first, because I think that speaks to what you were talking about before, mm -hmm. about people kind of have this idea that if we are, quote unquote, good Christians, That's right. we don't need to feel the agony anymore, that we can use prayer 
almost like magic words to make all the bad feelings go away. The but right, that's not what we see in yeah, Jesus. There. The, the right beliefs are not some sort of body armor against the shockwaves of grief. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just seems like Jesus's agony is increasing as his prayer increase, as his prayers increase. And then, but then we even see as you keep reading uh, Luke 22 and beyond that it, it, we know for a fact that the agony is increasing as he makes his way uh, to the cross. Uh, man, I don't want to disrupt anybody's faith. I want people's faith to be deepened. The reality and the experience of grief and anguish and pain should cause us to trust and cling to Jesus more tightly, mm. not doubt him mm. and not resist him. Because he is, he at one, he's overcome all of that. Mm-hmm. He is with us in it. He can really bring he can really bring joy, and anybody who knows your story knows that that's an example of how Jesus keeps his promises to those of us who are in the grip of grief. I've experienced that in grief in my own life, and in, and later in the New Testament we read that that we are pressured and we're experiencing all this pain, but we are not crushed, we're not dismayed, we're not overwhelmed by it. We can be in it and we can stand, and this is something that the world needs. Never in my life have I seen so many people hurting as I do now. Maybe yeah. it's because I'm able to see it now, but in the aftermath of all that we've experienced over the past few years, we see addiction through the roof, divorce through the roof, depression through the roof, anxiety through the roof, crime through the roof, uh, suicide is, is off the charts. People are hurting. And one of the things that caused the gospel to shine so brightly in the first three centuries is that Christians suffered well. Mm. They weren't free from grief. They experienced some of the most intense um, expressions of, of persecution and violence and hurt and harm. I mean, these were people who dealt with grief and they faced it well because they had the full resources of the gospel, because they were following Jesus. And there were times, there were times in the first three centuries in Rome when persecution was so intense that the the prisons were so full, they just had to say, let everybody go, because people were so attracted to the gospel because of what they saw in followers of Jesus, that more and more and more people wanted to become <laughs> followers of Jesus, that they couldn't they, they couldn't arrest them all, they couldn't kill them all, they couldn't persecute them all. At times, they just kind of had to throw their hands up in the air and, and give up, and our world needs that kind of witness now. Yeah. Our world needs people who are wrapped up reflecting Jesus, who know what Jesus is like, who are with Jesus, have a growing relationship with him, who are reflecting him, even in the experience of grief. And so the people around us who are in the middle of grief themselves look at us and they say, I want what you have. So can we give people some practical handholds for that? What does it look like to grieve well with other people? Sure. I think, again, I'm going to go back to this one is let's just be honest. Let's just say this is what it is. And so if you are the person who is in it, um, be honest Mm. and don't edit your emotions. Just feel what you feel, say what you feel don't be afraid of it. And then for those of you, those of us who are around someone who's grieving, let's don't be afraid of their grief. Let's sit with them in it. And we don't have to say a lot of things. Right? Yeah, there's a whole book of the Bible, Job, that yeah. uh, demonstrates the folly of friends trying to say a little too much. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not so much in what you say. It's the fact that you're there. Yeah. Bring food. Bring hugs. Bring your presence. Be with them in presence. Yeah, with a CE. You, yeah, with a CE. <laughs> yeah. Not like gifts, but uh, you be there. You be there with them, and don't be afraid of. It. And you, we, we don't have to fix it. Mm-hmm. Right, and I definitely want. I, I I have this drive. I want to fix things. Right, I definitely want to go into fix it. Let's just be with people. Let's respond to the needs that they have, mm-hmm. and let's let's love them. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. 
mm-hmm. right? And so um, now uh, we're, we're, we acknowledge, we're aware of what we're feeling. Now we're going to respond appropriately with wisdom in that. And let me give some, you asked for some practical, here's some practical. I say, uh, listen to podcasts or read books uh, by people who uh, can help you grow your skills in this regard. Mm-hmm. One person would be Henry Cloud. But sometimes podcasts and uh, reading a book and kind of beefing up our own skills is not enough. Sometimes we need to be with someone who is a professional in this area, spent time really studying. I would say, go see a counselor. This is something that I have done and that I still do from time to time. It is tremendously beneficial. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm the kind of guy that I can't see the forest for the trees. And I, I just, I, I, I need someone to kind of help me see it how they see it to see it with some wisdom, see it with some truth, and help me walk through it. Yes. And really just kind of be, be wind in my sails. Mm-hmm. And so th- those are a few things. There, there are many more things, but I just want, let me start there. And I've rambled for a bit. <laughs> no, that's okay. And I think where I'd like to head as we, uh, as we approach the end of this, mm-hmm. this episode is the quote that you used from Sam Alberry. Yeah. That I loved this quote about mm-hmm. the work God needs to do in you matters far more than the work you think he needs to do through you. Yeah. So so talk a little bit more about that, about how these practical ways of, of grieving with others, of, of coming alongside a grieving person, uh, helps us to deal with the work that God wants to do in us. Yeah. I, there, there clearly are, there are things that God wants us to do. The, you know, I, I was reading something by Pastor Tim Keller uh, yesterday, um, and he's not the first person to say it this way, but but he's the most recent person that I read say it this way. You know, we're saved by faith alone, but not faith that is alone. That there's mm-hmm. a whole new way of life, and there are works that come along with that. The Apostle Paul uh, wrote in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship or his masterpiece. Um, we're made brand new in Jesus for good works, right? And so that 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 he planned long ago. So that there is a lifestyle and a life of contributing and partnering the advancement of the kingdom that we are to be a part of. And yet we are not just busy cogs in this divine machine. Our our value and our purpose is not def- defined by some utility. We are in relationship. Mm. We are adopted children of God. We have the Spirit of God in us. He is a seal on us. We are co-heirs with Christ. It is primarily about relationship. And I love the the idea that that our, our chief end or our ultimate purpose is to know him and to glorify him. Yeah. And the first thing is to know him. And when we are experiencing the highs and lows of life, and today we're talking about the lows, is that there is an aspect of God that we can know and behold and experience that's difficult to know and behold and experience in times where there is no grief. And so in those times, I think it's I think it's good to pause and say, God, what do you want me to see about you? Mm-hmm. How do you want to use this in our relationship to grow me to be more like Jesus? Let's start there. Because if we put the works out ahead of that, ah, we're we're gonna run into trouble. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna something, something Something unfeeling, something cold, something utilitarian, something less than beautiful is going to really kind of take root in our life. And I don't want that. 
I want a relationship first. There's something cold when we think about the power that we can have to affect change in the world through Mm. what we do when God is looking at us saying, I'm trying to change you. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. I want you to experience my love. And Mm -hmm. and I think there are chapters of life where (laughs) he very much wants us to slow down and just rest in his good arms rather than trying to be the hands and feet to everyone else. And mm. uh, and I just, I love that about God, yeah. that he values that, that he loves us so much that that it's not all about what we're trying to accomplish. God can accomplish whatever he wants to in whatever he, way he wants to, using us or not using us, mm-hmm. but that he loves each one of us and and has a work of transformation that he wants to do in each of our lives. Are you familiar with the description Pale Blue Dot? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, those who geek out on astronomy and science are going to be really disappointed in me because I can't remember all the specifics right now. But there was a, a satellite uh, that was launched uh, to take pictures of space okay, some yeah. years ago. And it um, they turned it around to take a picture of Earth. And mm. I can't remember who it was. I want to say Carl Sagan, but I might have this wrong. Um, described Earth as a pale blue dot. Mm. And it just emphasizing how small our planet is in relation to everything that was known and was able to be seen at that time. And then when you think about our our own presence on that pale blue dot, I mean, it's imperceptible. Yeah. And yet the God who designed the universe, who holds it together in the palm of his hand, who's beyond and behind it all, knows you and me and everyone intimately and cares and says, I want to be with you. Mm -hmm. I care about you Mm -hmm. and I want to grow you. Out of all the things that he could emphasize and focus on, he chooses to focus and to love and to be invested in you. Mm -hmm. Be encouraged by that. Be in awe of that. That that very concept is one of the things that helped propel me out of a period of doubt that I struggled with uh, many, many years ago. The idea that the massive scale of the universe is still something that God can see through to see each one of us individually, Mm -hmm. realizing that to think that if God is that big, Mm -hmm. that he wants to have an individual relationship with the intimate details of my life, only a God that is that big is capable of being the God of the Bible. And, mm. and something about that unlocked mm-hmm. the reality of God for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, what a great God we serve. Yeah. When we see just, when he, we see his majesty, um, and at the risk of sounding sophomoric, when we see his bigness, it really helps us see our grief in context. Doesn't minimize it, doesn't make it less real. But when we look at the weight of that compared to the weight of his glory, mm-hmm. man, that is tremendous strength and comfort for me. Mm-hmm. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are going to miss out on all of this if you try to race through or run through or run from the reality of grief. Get honest about it. Mm. It's there. It's real. And it's going to allow you to see God in a way that maybe before you've never been able to imagine. And I don't want you to miss that. Well, thank you for this discussion this morning, Rick. I'm glad we got a chance to talk a little bit more about this and and appreciate uh, getting to admire the goodness of our God, even in the midst of grief together. All right. Sveo, we'll be back next week. See you then.